what's really going on, the real purpose is to recognize, to realize your connection with source. What is source? Is source a, a God figure? There's a bunch of different names, whether you call it God, you call it source, you call it universe, you call right, it right. love. Like it's worth, the way I look at it is there is a force in this world that organized and gave birth to the world that we know. You are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? My name is Josh Forty, at Josh Forty on Instagram, and I ask life's biggest questions and share the answers with you. My goal is to help you find purpose, happiness, and open your mind to new realms of possibility by helping you think differently about everything you do, know, and understand. On this podcast, we think different, we dream bigger, and we live in a world without limits. This is a new paradigm. Welcome to the Think Different Theory. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty, and ah, I feel like I say it every time. I'm so excited for this interview. I really am, actually, though. Um, as you guys know, entrepreneurship and success as a whole is a game of not just money, not just business, but it's also a game of personal development. It's a game of the mind. And um, I mean, that's the purpose of Think Different Theory. You guys know I'm all about the mind. I'm all about expanding that. And one of the things that's very interesting when it comes to uh, expanding the mind is uh, also your health. Uh, health is incredibly important. It's something that I think that a lot of entrepreneurs overlook, especially at the early stages. We get on this Gary Vaynerchuk grind, grind, grind mode, you know, hustle 20 hours a day and you know, never stop and have self-care. And so like when I first got started into entrepreneurship, the idea of self-care or massages or yoga or like anything like that was just not what I was into. I thought that was for losers and that like you could just spend that time working and hustling and eventually you would make your money. But as I have learned and as I've grown, uh, I've like realized the importance of not only hustling, but also taking care of your health, also mastering your mind. And there are certain techniques, specifically things like yoga, that you can do that help really kind of bring the mind, body, soul together and, and really go and and make you a more complete person. And I think that there's not only an incredible amount of health benefits for our physical body, but also an incredible amount of health benefits for our, our mind, our spiritual body, and our success overall. And so our next guest, actually, I should say our next guests, plural, are uh, the Yaks brothers who are, well, as they said, their names are, are John and Chris, but we have the Grandmaster John and his assistant Chris. No, uh, no but guys, in all, in all seriousness, they are brothers and they do yoga and they don't just do yoga for like anyone or anything, specifically yoga for entrepreneurs. They are not newbies to the industry. This is not somebody that just went out, a couple of brothers went out in their backyard and were like, hey, let's go do yoga. And now, you know, they teach yoga, but they are actually legitimate certified instructors. They run classes. They have a brick and mortar location. They are awesome. I had the incredible honor of meeting and hanging out with them at Steve Larson's Offer Lab. And I got to chat with them and they are just some of the most genuine and amazing people I've ever met. Guys, welcome to Think Different Theory. Thank you, Josh. We're stoked to be here, brother. Yeah, man. It's an honor to be on your podcast. So you guys are the first duo that I've ever had. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how the whole conversation goes with three of us in there. Feel free to talk over each other, you know, just kind of take command. But uh, real quick, introduce, uh, introduce yourselves a little bit. 
Um, who, who are you guys and like, what do you do? We'll start with John just because he's on my left first. We'll go John and then Chris. Uh, John, tell us a little bit about you and what you guys do. So we, uh, so uh, my brother Chris and I, we've been, um, we've been running yoga studios for, uh, for 15 years. Uh, we started, uh, started in 2005. And uh, we, before that, we were in martial arts, uh, heavy into martial arts. Uh, we studied uh, Jeet Kune Do Concepts, which is street-style MMA, uh, mixed martial arts. Uh, it was a it was, uh, style that Bruce Lee developed. And uh, we were going full blast. We wanted to be as good as Bruce Lee. So we were training like madmen. We were doing it all the time. Uh, this left us uh, pretty beat up and injured. And so we were like, Yeah, right. I can imagine. Holy cow. It was, it was, it was a full blast, man. So we... Uh, so we were like, all right, is there something we can get into that, that, that will help us heal fast so that we can get back to training sooner? Mm. And uh, Chris and I had a discussion, like, well, let's try yoga. And so we got into yoga. We started, we tried a couple classes, didn't quite hit it, but we tried uh, hot yoga. And it was like, whoa, this stuff intense, is Intense, bro. Dude, oh, my dude. God. And we were used to the intensity. So they were like, oh, this is right up our alley. And, uh, and so we got consistent with that and realized, man, we were, we were healing fast and, and doing our thing. So um, uh, that led to going to training. We ended up opening up studios. We're rocking and rolling studios. Uh, we were, we were uh, initially when we opened up studios, Josh, we were really into the, uh, we were really into the, like, don't worry about the business side, man. Just, you know, you just do your, do your thing. Be real good at it. And bro. Okay. So I have a question for John now about that, though. So martial arts to yoga, that's a change, right? And yoga, for a lot of people, I would say there's a stigma around it that is kind of a feminine thing, right? So martial arts is like, I'm a man, I'm going to go beat the crap out of someone, let's go. And then all of a sudden, you're just like, y'all, let's go do some yoga. Switching over to John. John, welcome. Thanks for being on here. Like, what was that transition like? Did you guys like have an internal battle at all? Or were you just like, no, nah, this is just what we got to do? No, no, this is Chris, by the way. Um, so, Wait, do, do I have him backwards? Yeah, John. John, Chris. Oh, my bad. Guys, I can't even get him straight. They look alike. They kind of, they do, and they talk alike. Our mom can't even tell us apart. <laughs> okay, all right. So now I'm talking to Chris. Yeah, exactly. You know, so martial arts was, it was, it was that very physical, you know, like, the, the adage was learn it today, use it tonight. Not that we'd go out and pick fights at night, but it was very realistic. It was very like hardcore. We're learning like the most effective street oriented fighting styles that there were. So it was super masculine. I mean, we were like teaching people how to like protect themselves. But what was that really ended up happening in that was it wasn't like we were teaching people how to beat people up. What was really happening in the process of learning how to fight and learning the fight in the way that we were doing it, which was very like, you're going to be able to actually use this like a jump spinning back kick. That's not going to save your ass. Like, you know, like that you are going to get punched in the face and you've been practicing a jump spinning back kick for 15 years. That's not helping you. What is going to help you is to learn Western boxing, Muay Thai, ground fighting. And so what was happening is uh, there was an empowerment piece that was, that was like really, really like the most potent part of what martial arts was all about for us. Now, what helped us was we had like a pretty rough childhood as far as like, emotional stuff with dad leaving single family like single mom like six kids we're two of six so we had a mom who was like man she was the heart and soul of the family she was where, rock. where do you where do you fall in the line i'm the youngest of six you're the youngest of six yeah I'm four. you're four we're in the line yeah four in the line so there's one sibling in between you two yeah okay 
Yeah, so the the martial arts, like yes, super masculine, very like you know, but maybe had one, two women in like the ten years that we were teaching that would actually like was wow. a part of it. But when we pivoted because we had done it for so long and we were so beat up, it it, it seemed like it wasn't we didn't have a lot of hangups. So like, is this a feminine thing? And like, are we in like this world of women now? And like, what, mm. what's happening to my testosterone and my masculinity as I'm in this class and I'm doing like, you know, hands in prayer position and all right, the other right. stuff. It, and the reason is the, what we were always doing martial arts is where I was going with the martial arts is that there was always a deeper meaning behind it. It was more about an empowerment that mm. was happening, a change of a sense of self of like really in fighting. It was, it took so long to get there, but it was like, reaching that present moment awareness where you're in front of somebody. And if you're thinking about anything else, but their movements and, and like what's happening, you immediately got checked by getting punched in the face. Hmm. Now that was super hard on the body, but what happened yeah. when you into yoga was now we're in these poses, especially with the hot where it required all of your attention. So you dropped into that same state of present moment awareness without all of the you know negative effects of getting punched in the face and kicked and, hmm. you know, beat up and injured. So it was, while it was, uh, it, it definitely, you know, 90%, not for our studios, but 90% of the world in yoga is women, 10% men. So when we entered it, we were definitely the minority, but I never really had a hang up about it. And maybe part of it was because I knew I could kick ass. Right, know? right, right. I already had that like machismo, like, I don't care. Like if you look at me and you think I'm my yoga instructor will kick your yoga instructor's ass. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. But like you're a pretty like you're pretty manly men. I mean, like you're not feminine dudes, you know what I mean? And so like a lot of times that transition is hard for people because they feel like all of a sudden they're gonna lose this identity and they're gonna like I feel like it, a lot of entrepreneurs that I talk to or just people in general that I talk to about yoga, they'll look at that and be like, no, because if I do yoga, I have to give up, like it's like giving up part of their identity. You know what I mean? It's like I have to become this soft person. And I did not get that sense at all from you guys. I mean, I felt very calm, right? And like, I got a very calming effect when talking to you guys, but like not any of it was like not masculine. You know what I mean? And I think it's just interesting because I think a lot of people do have that false belief about getting into yoga, yeah? Yeah. yeah, no doubt. And I would even say that like the real heart of yoga is like, it's, it's like austere. It takes strength. It takes yeah. discipline. It takes a level of like commitment to really to dig in and get the real fruits of it that, I mean, it's like, it's almost the exact opposite. What, what is perceived as feminine and is like the soft, let me just let go and surrender to the moment is actually an austere, very physical, very focused practice that requires yeah. literally all of you, body, mind, spirit everything to be dialed in yeah I, I mean like you've got to be especially some of those yoga poses that you do and you hold like you gotta have incredible strength and it's it's a mental battle but like you also have to be physically in shape yeah yeah it, there's a what the, the the physical practice josh is is a mastery of the body with but it's but it's a tool to get you into present moment awareness hmm what what is present moment awareness? The ability to hold your attention to one place as long as you choose to. That's it. So hold would, your attention to one place. So go ahead. Well, would that be so? I'm like, I, I want to compare this back to you know the first thing that pops in my mind when you say hold attention in one place. I'm like, that's exactly opposite of shiny object syndrome, right? Exactly. Yeah. So like, if I struggle with shiny object syndrome, this could be something that really helps. 
Yeah, absolutely. Or you could practice martial arts and then uh, uh, get in front of somebody. And if you're not present, you get punched in the face. And then punched in the face. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we were like, we spent the first half of our lives doing, uh, you know, studying warriorship. Right, right. right. Learning how to be warriors. And then the second half, uh, where we are right now, is all monkhood. You know, we're Hmm. studying moving into this direction of how do you how do you master the most crazy part of us which is our minds our inability to pay attention like literally the 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 opposite of of uh mindfulness is really a bad is bad terminology right it's actually that you're you're not full of mind you're empty of mind but but that present moment awareness space right the the ability to master the mind is our ability to hold our attention to something for as long as we choose to because Mm -hmm. here's the deal Josh, all of us get stuck in our freaking heads all the time. All the time, yeah. And this, like, in, in the body and the mind. So when we're in, we're in, we're in these thought processes, the body cannot tell the difference between an actual situation and the simulation. Hmm. Right. So the thoughts that are happening in your head, like the simulation, and we play it out all the time. You know, if you had an argument with your with your girlfriend, right? You had that argument with your girlfriend initially in real time. And then you had it probably 100 or 200 or 300 times afterwards, right? <laughs> yeah. Here's the crazy thing. Your body reacts the exact same way. Your brain yeah. reacts the same way, right? Your yeah. body, your brain drops, dro- you, triggers adrenaline, uh, dumps cortisol. You get, you get tense. You, you, you breathe shallow. You get sweaty. All the same stuff. And so I love we, that you brought that up. We replay these. Uh, so any event that happens in our life and we replay it in our minds, it, it affects us negatively. And, and, and I feel like, because I mean, that's, I mean, that's scientific right there. I mean, like for the, for those of you that are out there that are like, oh, does that really happen? Like, I love that you brought that up for that reason. Like, that's like what you said of like dumping, what do you say? Cortisol? Was that what it was the one? Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that's like a real thing that happens. And so like you, you do that. And I've heard that the same, and, and I, you know, believe to be true entirely. And I, I don't, I don't want to say that you don't, you shouldn't take action because action is always best. But like, I've also heard that like, when you play scenarios out in your head of what could come in the future of like what you're trying to do, like, you know, practicing a basketball shot over and over and over in your head, or like running a race course over and over and over in your head. Also, your body reacts to it like it's happening. And it goes to prepare you to actually go have success with that. Yes. Here's a difference. The mechanism is the same. The way in which we're using it is going to either be in our benefit or to our detriment. Hmm. Like, so what John was talking about is like, man, if you're over, if you're playing that scenario that, you know, the argument that you had, the conversation that you had with your girlfriend that didn't go right over and over again, most of the time is that what you're trying to replay is things that you can't control anymore. Yeah. It's already happened. And now you're just replaying mm. it over and over to zero benefit, to zero like actionable items. Way different than what you're talking about, which is like, oh, I've got this future event and I know I'm going to have to perform and I need to re, I want to I use that same mechanism of being able to, to imagine, to visualize what's about to happen and how I'm going to respond in the moment when, the, when I hear the whistle and I got to run and then this is the step and this is the second step. And the more like granular you can get with the exact process, what happens is you're, you're literally training your body and your brain for that event so that when it happens, you're dialed in, dialed in more so than anyone else who like, may have not visualized. So the big difference is, are you using the mind or is the mind using you? That's one of the things. Mm. So 
I want to go into a topic and maybe you, maybe this isn't a topic that you guys go into, but I feel like you probably thought about this and I'm curious your thoughts on this, the whole concept of time, right? So like time, but we're about to go way philosophical, right? But like time is pretty relative, right? Like time is just this thing that's kind of made up, right? It's, it, it's, it's real because there is an actual period of time that takes place to transfer information, right? So that's why it has to exist. But I mean, if you really study quantum and you study like uh, physics and you study like a lot of those things, you realize that like, I was watching an interview one time when the guy was like, you know, everything that is going to happen in the universe has already happened. Time just hasn't caught up, right? And so I'm curious to know your guys' thoughts on that when it specifically it comes to this topic. Time is only, time only exists here. And I'm pointing to my head. Mm, for the audio, time yeah. Time only exists in the, in the mind, right? Mm -hmm. it, that's it. Every single, so the, here, here's the thing, guys. What we are right now is a culmination of all our thoughts the last six months, year, two years, right? A culmination of all our decisions the last six months, year, two years, mm -hmm. right? Where we are right now. But the mind can project back, right? This is what makes us, different than animals, right? We, that, this is, that's why we're at the top of the food chain, um, unless you're surfing or something, you have big fish in there. Um, <laughs> we, uh, you know, this, because we have the ability to track, to, 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 to notice patterns, right? Uh, and we can project forward into the future, right? But it, it's still, it's all a mind construct, Josh. Our, like our, the, the time is simply a mind construct that we all have agreed to in order to say, Hey, Josh, we're going to meet you at four o'clock on a Friday so that we can get together and have a good conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it would like, you know, be a little bit of chaos. But, it, but all in, and, and who we're going to be six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, is based on every decision we're making in this, in this moment, mm -hmm. which is literally the only moment that exists. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Most people spend most of their time, their bodies are obviously in this moment, but their brains, their attention are, is somewhere else. And yeah. so if your attention is not in this moment, you're not making clear enough decisions to decide effectively where you want to be in six years. Um, uh, you know, I mean, excuse me, six months, a year or two years. You can't. So yeah. if you're not paying attention, Josh, your subconscious is making all the decisions. And that's simply based on all your patterns that you've had. And I'm big on the subconscious mind, you know, like, I mean, I wrote the mind shift playbook, 65 pages long about that, like the power of the subconscious mind and how it controls your actions and reactions. I'm curious for those, when you say that time is all in your mind, okay, it's all in your head, which I believe, right? And, and I've studied too much about it um, to even articulate sometimes. You know how like you study some things and you're like, this is amazing. You go try to explain it to someone else and they're like, you're psycho. And you're like, oh, no, I'm not. But you just haven't figured out how to you know, articulate it yet. I'm hoping that maybe you can articulate it a little bit better or we can articulate this too to the listeners. I'm curious though, like time is in your mind, yes, but yet you're, like, your body can only live for what, 80 years, 90 years. You know, there's a, we do have a, a time frame upon which things happen, right? So when you say that time is all in your head, what do you mean by that? Show me the future. Show me the past. Like, show it to me. Like, show, like, like, like the only, like, the past is only a mind construct. It's, it's only made up in our minds. My past, like, I can't, like, I can't show you what the past is because it's, we're, we're, we exist in this moment. 
So even like something like, uh, I'll use your point of like our body aging, right? We are aging simply because there's growth or death, right? Part of nature, part of a natural cycle, right? Uh, that's happening as part of nature. But even that, Josh, is like the growth of our bodies, like the, the transformation of our bodies is happening in this moment. So I can project out and say, well, uh, you know, 40, 50, some of yoga, I'll say 60 years from now when I die, <laughs> right, over 100, um, uh, my body's going to reach its end. But that, all of that age and all of that is only going to happen moment to moment, right, in the moment. So my body's going to shift. I'm going to have start aches and pains and start to lose elasticity. I won't because I'm practicing yoga all the time. But of course, my point, right? It it all is this moment now. So here's the, like so if if you know if we're stuck in a pattern, man, if we're stuck in like like I can't make enough money or I I'm sick of my job or I'm sick of this relationship. If I'm not actually paying attention to the to the to the moment and making decisions in the moment to shift that, I'm going to be stuck in it. I'll be stuck in it forever because I'm working off the old patterns of like, this is um, being comfortable, whatever the old pattern is, right? To get stuck in it. Hmm. My point is that we have to be present enough. We have to pay attention to the moment enough in order to make the decisions that are going to propel us to a future that we really want. Right. But it's all present moment. Another way of saying that is like all like right now is a moment that immediately transitions into the next moment that immediately transitions into the next moment. And all of those moments put together feel like the passage of time. Yeah. So the real answer in my mind is our relationship to the passage of time to mm. the, to those moments. We had a, um, uh, so our dad left when we were like, really, I was two years old. So they left John like six years old and my mom's, they never got married, but they were, they were kind of like common law husband and wife. When he turned 51, I remember asking him, I was like, so what is it like to be 51? And he looked at me and he's like, Chris, I have more years behind me than I do ahead of me. Hmm. And his brain, his body heard it and said, check. By 70, he looked like he was 90 and he passed away in his late 70s, early 80s, hmm. like somewhere around. It's like, so, so the question yeah. then becomes, isn't like, is time real or not? Is how do you relate to your age? Yeah. Like, relate to the, your next birthday? How do you relate to like the, the inevitability of the next moment unfolding into the next moment multiplied by numbers of years? And now how does that, how does my sense of self feel being 39 now, almost 40? Like yeah. people have big hangups specifically around aging. But if we're going back to the truth that man, there really, that doesn't exist. It's just a construct of the mind. Then the question becomes, isn't not is the time real or not is how do I relate to that to those moments in the past of time and am I accumulating it right am I thinking too much in the future and the like and, and through worry and anxiety about all the stuff that I can't control that I'm trying to control so literally you're accum when you're lost in thought this is like one of the what yoga is designed to alleviate is people being lost in thought because when you're lost in thought you're trapped in the mind. And the mind and time, as far as like, uh, are inseparable. So think about it. Like the argument that we were talking about um, with like our significant other, our wives, happened in the past. If I'm lost in that, I'm literally holding on to that past moment. I'm literally accumulating that time because I'm not letting it go mentally. Yeah. Or if I've got this event that I'm nervous about, that I'm anxious about, that I'm thinking about constantly, it's keeping me up at night, right? I'm stressed out about it. Yeah. I'm still living in this moment. But what's happened is I've accumulated these future moments 
that we call anxiety and worry. And that stress is like the silent killer for most people. That's incredible. I mean, I have so many questions that I want to go off off of that, but I'm going to save. there's one, one that I want to go into. I'm going to put this idea into your mind. We're going to come back to it. We're not going to go into this, but I'm going to ask you later on in, the, in this interview on whether or not you think time travel is possible. Don't answer me right now. We're going to go come back to that, but just we'll put that in your head. I want to go back though to what you just said there in relation to yoga. Okay. So you're in martial arts, you're in yoga. What does yoga do to help make possible what you just said, to make it possible to where you can be in the present moment and to really be like bring spirit, mind, body all together? When you're moving through the practice, you are putting yourselves into these intense poses, right? So th- let me say this. Yoga is not just stretching. This is what everybody thinks. Oh, yoga is stretching. I'm just going to go to a stretching class. And this is what guys will say because they, they're scared. That's why they don't class. do it. Like, oh, I don't need to stretch. Um, right, right. <laughs> push-ups. Um, uh, the, Josh, what yoga was developed for back thousands of years was to uh, end suffering. And when I say suffering, it's mind-based, what we just mm-hmm. talked about. Right. 95% of our suffering is mind-made. It's, it's worry and anxiety. 100% believe that, yeah. We're projecting out into the future. I'm worried about something. I'm projecting out into the past. I'm, I regret the way I acted, something I did. So much of our suffering is, is, is mind-made. And so thousands of years, they were still doing the same stuff. Like they, but, you know, the details are different. They're worried about their, their chickens running away or something. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, right, right, right. Like, like the harvest. <laughs> the harvest like, the, the, they're worried about maybe flooding or lack of food or you know, things of that nature, right. But it was still the same thing. It was all mind-made. And so yoga, you know, some, uh, some, uh, some teachers in the time said, well, look, if the, all of this is mind-made, what is the solution? And the solution is to be able to master the mind. And, ma- and when I say master the mind, let me, let me be more, uh, more clear with that. Master our ability to pay attention. Uh, so what like yoga in its current form where it's practiced most of the United States and the world is like, I'm going to go to a yoga studio. I'm going to get on my yoga mat. I'm going to do these yoga poses. I'm going to breathe and move. And now like what John just said, isn't, that's not how yoga started. It was like, it was meditation. I'm going to sit down, close my eyes, focus my attention to my breath to the point where I can focus so intently that I'm not playing out all of these stories in my head about future past worries, regrets, all that stuff. The mind literally stops, Josh. So feel aware. So what's so valuable though, so this is what, why I love the physical practice, why so many people are getting into it for the physical, because we're all very physical based, is that now it's like a moving meditation. We're sneaking the, the present moment awareness in around, oh, come in, get more flexible, get stronger, de-stress, by saying, okay, when I say inhale up dog, exhale down dog, and I'm telling you to breathe and move like in, in unison, what you're not doing is thinking about what happened yesterday or tomorrow. Mm. Really paying attention to the present Super moment, sneaky. listening to the teacher, put your hand here, put your foot here, do this with your body, and then move here, and then do this, breathe, and then do this, breathe. So it, literally, it's like saying, pay attention now. Pay Only attention this. Now. Pay huh. attention well, and one of the things that I think is very interesting is you, you talk about the ability to just focus on something. Um, I would say four or five months ago, probably, I started doing meditation for the first time. And the first thing that I did was 
I, I was told, Josh, sit in a room and stare at the wall for 20 minutes. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I literally could not sit still for 20 minutes and just look at the wall. No distractions, no nothing. It was one of the most challenging things that I had done. And when I looked at that, I went, oh my gosh, I have no control over my actions. I have no control over my thoughts. I literally like the amount of times when I would like be lost in thought, right? Like I'd try to focus, try to focus, and then my mind would wander. And then my mind would wander. And when it wanders, subconsciously, when my mind starts wandering, I grab my phone, I open Facebook and I go. I would try so many times when I would like, be in the middle of looking at the wall and I would like reach down and be like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I, I literally cannot sit still long enough. And I would challenge anyone that thinks that yoga or that, you know, they, that they have their mind mastered or whatever. You want to know whether you have your mind mastered? Like go sit in a room and see how long you can stare at a wall and do nothing. Amen, brother. Mo, mo, you, most people can't do that. Man, in 1980, in the early 80s, I would say 1980, the average attention span was 20 minutes long. This is for, for the United States, 20 minutes. 20 minutes, it used to be that long. <laughs> that long, I know, 1980. In 19, that's only what, 38 years, 39 years ago? Now, seven seconds. Seven seconds? It's watching a goldfish. Yes. A goldfish is nine seconds, brother. <laughs> Average attention span. Oh. In the last 35 years to seven seconds, from 20 minutes to seven seconds. <sighs> Where are we gonna be at in like 10 years, bro? Mm. <laughs> well, man, people are gonna start meditating. That's my, uh, my yeah, honestly, we have to, right? Like, we have to, like, we have to, we have to start paying attention. The world needs it, man. One of the reasons I love the podcast, and like, is that what you're really bringing into the light is the necessity for us to start focusing on what's going on up here in the brain and the mind. Yeah, like, like the revolution that happened over the like the '70s and '80s. Like, oh, let's learn about the body and let's understand how to get in like this crazy physical shape. And I think that like the new era is going to be getting in crazy mental shape and being able to focus. I agree. Because when you do that, you also get into physical shape. Because like, so last night, I, I, are, do you guys use marijuana at all? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So last night, I, like, I, I've taken up running. Okay. 20, 21 today will mark 22 straight days of running, which that's a huge deal for me. Uh, I didn't, I haven't run in like five years. Uh, and I used to be like very athletic and you know, run all the time. I hate running. So I started doing this. And when I first started running day one, I could barely make it a half a mile. Like I was dead, basically walking at a half mile. And then yesterday I ran and I ran two miles and did six flight of stairs at the end without stopping. And I was like, that was in 21 days. Now I was dead after that, like two miles of running. I was just I was pretty spent, which a huge improvement. I'm super happy with that. But then last night I was doing my thing and I was just like in my head a lot. And I was like, I got to go run. I got to just kind of get out of my own head with everything or whatnot. And, you know, I'm thinking about everything and whatnot. So I go and I'm like, you know what? I've heard that when you smoke beforehand or, or use marijuana bef like beforehand, like sometimes like that will really help like you kind of just be more present in the moment and you can like run farther, like not think about things or whatnot. And I've noticed that when I run, I listen to like audiobooks and things like that. When I'm really, really into an audiobook, the run goes a whole lot faster, right? And like, I don't even realize that it's there. I'm not really in that much pain because my mind is not focused on that. And so last night, I kid you, this literally happened yesterday. I smoked and I went out and I went for a run. And I started running, I started running. And I looked down 
at my watch to see how far I had run. And it was 6.2 miles had gone by. And I was like, Awesome. What just happened? Right? Like I didn't even realize it. I ended up running like seven miles almost without stopping when earlier that same day, I could barely have made it two miles and was totally spent simply because I didn't even realize. I realized like I had run around the same loop like seven times. I had passed the same people. Like, I mean, they must've thought I was crazy, right? Like I just kept going and going. And I was like, what just happened? And I realized like, whoa, this really, really is a mental game because my focus exactly about what you're talking about was not on the pain of my body, was not on the act. I wasn't thinking when I was moving my legs back and forth. I wasn't consciously aware of anything that was happening. I was so up here in the moment and I like get done and I'm you know totally drenched in sweat. And it was interesting to me to realize that when you are what you're talking about here, like bringing awareness to and focusing on one thing, you're able to do with your body so many incredible things because your body's capable when you don't tell it that it's not, you know? Yeah, totally. Exactly the right. mind is the builder. It is. So period. Two things, a uh, couple things. Uh, like marijuana is the key to time travel. <laughs> Ooh. All right, let's just go here. Uh, you open it up. Finish your second point, but let's just go there. Um, the fact that it's a schedule one class narcotic is insane, insane. Like, come on government. Yeah. It's changed. Do you, do you know, do you know why? Do, have you looked into the history of marijuana? A little bit. I don't know enough to let, let me, let me educate the world who is, if anybody on here is anti-marijuana, let me just educate you on why very briefly, why marijuana became illegal back in, I forget what year it was. This was back when cotton was big. The hemp plant was discovered that the hemp plant is this incredible, amazing plant. Like what you can do with hemp, not from a consumption standpoint, but literally just the, the uses for hemp were so insane that it would put out, it was going to ruin the cotton industry and so many other industries. I mean, even like steel and building materials and all these things. So the, right. The the government literally came up. I mean, this is like documented. You can look into it and said that weed, marijuana, when it is consumed, is being consumed by blacks, black people and Hispanics. And it makes them violent, aggressive, rapists, and like all these different things. And that is the stereotype that they put on this. Not only targeted a minority, they targeted the plant and the minority. They made it bad. And that's what allowed them to make it illegal. Yeah. Yeah. That, what? Like, what? It just it not, blew my mind. On top of that, not just uh, the, the, uh, the cannabis that actually has a psychedelic effect, but hemp itself, which has no psychedelic effect. At all. It's Zero. Insane. insane. Insanity. All right. So now, you know, so now we have over a quarter of the states that have it legalized for recreational. We have ah, over, uh, over half, I think oh, close to 75% of the states, if I'm not mistaken, that have it uh, legal for uh, medicinal. Yeah. And the government still has it as a class one. Yep. Medicinal. So all of these states Great. are saying, yeah, there's a medicinal effect. And part of being in a class that, as a class one narcotic is there is no proof of medicinal properties to whatever is put in the class one. Right. It's, just, it's backwards, man. It's backwards. So it's, it's crazy. And it's healing people, Josh. It's healing sure. people. Like people that have like, that are like, uh, seizures can't uncontrollable seizures. 
they smoke a little bit or take some tincture or whatever, and the seizures stop. Like they can live functional lives. I mean, give me a fucking break. Yeah, like it's, it's ridiculous. It is 100%. I, I am 100% in agreement on that. I do want to question that though. I want to question you on this. For those people that just want to smoke for the sake of getting high, are you okay with that? I mean, it, it, I, 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 let, me, let me rephrase that question. Not from a legal level, because from a legal level, I think you should be able to do whatever you want, right? But from a more, like for you, do you think that if you're just getting baked every night or like, you know, just go, smoking weed just for the sake of smoking weed, do you think that that's healthy or wise? No, I, I think because for us, it's moderation and not moderation for the sake of moderation, but like moderation because any, anything done in excess, like you're, for a couple of reasons, you're giving your power to it. All of a sudden, the thing that was enjoyable at one point now is a need that you have to have yeah, in order yeah. to function and feel yourself. And I don't care what it is, whether it's marijuana or alcohol or even working out, even right. yoga. Like if I need that and if I don't get it, all of a sudden I'm like less of a person or I feel like my sense of self is diminished, then that's something to look at and be like, no, I'm doing it too much. Yep. So yep. Like for everything sure. in moderation, not just for like moderation's sake, but because that's like the access point to like our most passionate existence. It's because when you can do it and you can and enjoy it and really like feel it, like your run, like that was, was that medicinal. was, a, that was a Josh, moment that it was crazy, right? It was and, medicinal. It, it, it had session effect. It had a positive effect on you. It allowed you to experience uh, a state of consciousness that, that made you feel good. Now, if you decided I'm going to do it every single day, all day long, that's I can't go running without marijuana. No. <laughs> it would affect your life. It wouldn't be enjoyable. You would all of a sudden be, be uh, not literally addicted, but habitually addicted. A stoner, yeah. You know, and, and, and then it's like if it's inhibiting you on, on growth, you, you got to stop it. It's a medicine. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. A natural medicine, a natural remedy. I, I agree. You have to use it like any medicine, like Tylenol, whatever it is. We have to use it medicinally. When we are caught in our heads and we can't get out, Use it to get out of your head if you need to. When you need, when you, when you're uh, in pain, or you know, when the when the symptom is there, you can take the medicine to cure the symptom. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so yep. let let's talk about time travel. Okay. If, if marijuana is the answer to time travel, um, <laughs> I, I'm very curious about this. I've I've never quite heard someone say it quite <laughs> like that. So I, I'm very interested in this. So l let's start with a little bit of science for for the listeners here. Um, I've studied time travel. I've studied physics. And there's a book that I read called um, Einstein's Theory of Relativity in the Modern Era or something like that. And it talks all about uh, basic physics, but then getting into quantum physics and how we think that the speed of light is the fastest you know, thing in the world, but potentially that that's not the case. And how time travel actually has been proven when you can move at the speed of light. Like This is a scientific proof, like speed of light, with the speed of light inside the speed of light, you can move faster because of time relativity and, and all that. So like the concept of, of time travel has been proven at a very, very, very hyper speed for very, very m minute molecules. But I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on specifically when it comes to marijuana, time travel, and that of that nature. That's a deep one. You know, like I, I haven't read the books on time travel, but I think that like, the speed of consciousness is faster than light. Like I can, you can, in a moment, like in the, in an instant with your mind, with your consciousness, you can be 
anywhere. Like, and I don't know how fast the speed of light is versus the speed of consciousness. Like if I have a thought, is that faster? Like, I don't know the science behind it. So like, I'll, I'm, I'll show my like, bear uh, with his ignorance. <laughs> yeah, bear with my ignorance. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, as far as like, you are where your attention is, I know you can be in places consciously through your consciousness, through your uh, like conscious awareness in like with zero time right now. Have you ever had an out-of-body experience? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Same. We do a breathing exercise that uh, we do at the end of all of our teacher trainings. And we were introduced to it at a yoga conference. And I had like, it was like a past life regression mixed with an out-of-body experience where I was like looking down on myself, but I was a former self. It was wild. It was wild. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. And even cooler, no drugs involved. Wow. That's incredible. Even better. That's incredible. Gosh, only breath. So I totally believe time travel is like absolutely possible. But where my, uh, where my understanding fails is I don't know how to get my physical body to follow my mind, <laughs> you know, like, cause I can in a moment be someplace, but like, I know I'm still here. Yeah. You know? yeah so that's where I, that's where I am. Yeah. What about you? Uh, John, it's, it's John, right? I got it right that time. Yeah. yeah you got it. <laughs> what about you, John? It's consciousness, Josh. Consciousness is the ability to, 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 to for, for time travel to exist. You know, for yogis and sages have talked about the ability to bilocate, right? We, we try not to get too hippity dippity, Josh, because like, we're, we're in the yoga world, but we want to be grounded and right on. But, uh, but you have some good topics. So, um, anyway, like, so, like, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda is, uh, is a uh, yogi that Chris and I have studied with for a long time, not personally, but his, his lessons. And his, his guru was Swain Sui Kutaswa. He had the ability to bilocate. This is according to uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, who uh, was a yogi. He, like, his whole thing was not lying, right? It was, it was truthfulness always. But, uh, but he talked about personal experiences where he, uh, his guru was in multiple places at one time. Mm. Like, and so how, like, well, how, how, and the ability that, like, and so and the answer to the how is mastering consciousness. Ma- it, it comes back to, it, it comes back to the mind and, and, uh, and us being able to uh, do incredible things like that. The potential of our mind is so vast and we are only touching the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. There's a, let me, there's a great book called Proof of Heaven by Eben Alexander. Have you ever read that? Mm-mm. It's awesome. So this guy, he was, a, I think, a neurosurgeon. Like, if you can't measure it, it doesn't exist type mentality, right? Yeah. He had a uh, bacterial meningitis that shut down the neocortex, right? The frontal wow. cortex of the brain, which is right now what prevailing wisdom in the scientific world says is where consciousness is derived from. Right. In his experience of being like in a comatose state, that being shut down completely, he should have zero consciousness. Right. What he, his whole book is about is what happened when he was out. And so my point behind saying that is for us, it's not the body producing consciousness. It's consciousness giving birth to the body and the brain and the mind and everything that we think we are. 100%. I mean, and I'm not vocally endorsing psychedelics. Um, 
however, like I, I am very pro psychedelics. I think that when you're in the right state of mind, I think that you can learn tremendous amounts from that. But one of the things that, that you will understand from that, and you understand just for having out of body experiences or whatnot is like, it becomes very apparent very quickly that we are a mind inside this body, not a body with a mind. Like yeah, yeah. super, super, super obvious, and tra- like um, when when you understand those things, and that so that goes to beg the question now, which I'm going to ask and kind of transition over. Unless did you have anything more that you wanted to touch on on that? Okay, so transitioning over to that, I'm going to ask the question that I, I think I think is a valid question, which is who cares? And what I mean by that is, okay. I can dedicate my life and I can do all these breathing exercises and I can leave my body or I can go get rich and hang out on a yacht. You know what I mean? Or I can go and serve the poor or I can go and play video games all day. Like at the end of the day, I'm going to live 80 years. I'm going to die. Right. And let's assume that I'm a good entrepreneur. I make a few million dollars. I am successful in the, you know, the world's eyes. I'm happy. I'm fulfilled. Right. Like more or less. Right. I mean, I I believe that there's happy people and, and fulfilled people more or less with, you know, without going into incredible lengths of consciousness. Right. So like, you get to that point and you go, why would I waste my time, quote, quote, right, on trying to figure out and study consciousness and figuring out how all these things work when I'm going to figure it out someday because 80 years are going to go by, I'm going to die, and I'm going to figure out what's up there one way or another. It's like, I'm basically like trying to speed up the inevitable rather than just letting the inevitable come when it comes. Why, Why does it matter? There's a couple couple reasons, Josh. Like so, so I'm gonna take it. Uh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a high high approach, and I'll take a grounded approach. The high approach is is uh, the the and it, and this comes down to belief. If, if, do you believe in reincarnation? Mm. Do you believe we're gonna live another life and another life and another life? And so, if you take the high the you know the the, the higher vision of that and say, well, if we are living these multiple lives, are is why are we living these multiple lives? Is it random or is it a, are, are, are we progressing? Are we evolving into something more? And what every, every uh, master who's ever walked, walked the earth has taught was that is we are moving towards an evolution. So what yoga, why yoga was developed was to speed up that evolution. So you wouldn't get caught in the cycle of birth, uh, life, death, birth, life, death, birth, life, death, and have to live over and over and over again. So that's, that's the bigger vision. Mm, okay. Okay. I, I understand that. So you're saying that from the bigger vision standpoint, you're basically saying that if you just live your life of birth, life, death, birth, life, death, then you're caught in this cycle until you realize that there's more to it than that. And you start evolving to other things. Like you're not going to evolve until you realize what's going on and like make progression in your life to get to a for the lack of a better term, the next step or that what? Enlightenment. Right, you right. Evolve. Yeah. Now, every lifetime you evolve. Right. Low track, brother. Okay. All right. You know, we're taking a slow track. When, when, and so when we decide to uh, simply sit our asses down and meditate, to decide to... Uh, Wait, are we still on the high, uh, high, high level here? Or are, we, are we switching? Yeah, okay, okay. High level. Yeah. I'm going to use it as a transition though. Uh, we speed that up. We get on the fast track. Mm. Right. Um, and what's what, and I agree with you, like, like, uh, hallucinogenics, I'm not, I'm not trying to promote that or do anything, but, uh, if that can shift consciousness in a way that can allow you to feel the truth of who we are. Yeah. Uh, breathing exercises that Chris and I were describing can shift consciousness in a way that can 
that can allow you to feel the truth of who we are, that can peek through the veil. Every, um, every uh, indigenous tribe on the planet has had a way of doing some type of spirit quest, some type of shift for their for this, this rite of passage, whether they used hallucinogens or breathing exercise or whatever it was, was, a, uh, was to help the, the, uh, the tribe shift consciousness so that they could experience that. But then when they came back, like now the work, right? Before enlightenment, uh, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water, baby. Right, <laughs> right. right. So one thing, here's a kind of piece of it, Josh, is like, who, who, who cares? Like on the path of doing that, like we just decide, okay, I'm not concerned about reaching enlightenment. I want to have a better relationship with my wife. Yeah. I want to have a better relationship with my kids. I want to have a better relationship with myself. It's the last time you stood in front of the mirror and said, I love you. Yeah. I, like some, like what, like the, the shit that really matters in life, we start to realize that through that process of doing the same work that we would do if we were reaching for enlightenment. Hmm. Right. So what, what it comes back to and what Chris and I teach is don't worry about the enlightenment part. You're on the path. You're evolving every lifetime, however many lifetimes it takes. If you want to go uh, Olympic athlete on it and go every single day and go full blast and, and shortcut it, rock and roll, but just committing to a daily practice of sitting still, even if it's just for five minutes every day is the life hack, Josh. Yeah. It will change everything. It will change your relationship with your wife. It'll change your sex life. It'll change your relationship with your kids. It'll change your relationship with money. It'll change your relationship with your business that you're building. It'll allow you to crush it. It, 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 it is the life hack. It's the ultimate life hack. Hmm. I'll drop right there. <laughs> and and I, I agree with you uh, very strongly in, in that, that it will improve a lot of those things. Are you religious at all? No, I were, I would uh, call myself spiritual. We weren't, okay. it's, it's really interesting. You weren't raised in a, any like traditional sense, mm. but if you heard my dad talk and you listened to my mom, you'd be like, Oh, they're definitely Christians mm. because they like all about Jesus. My dad, well, he mm. was actually a, um, a, a studying to be a Jesuit priest. He was in the priesthood wow. before he met my mom. And then he was like, I think I'm going to go for the woman, not the priesthood. <laughs> but he was like, oh man, it's amazing what that'll do to you. He like, he, so he, he understands like the Bible and he understands like Jesus's message and all that stuff. And so really, what's really fascinating to me is like, so there was never any dogma around spirituality. There's never any dogma, like the, the, the do's and the don'ts, thou must. There was never like, God was never someone to be feared in our lives. It was like, no, God's like love. Like, look around it. And right. my mom was, right. was almost like a, uh, kind of like a pagan. She was like, man, look at, uh, look at nature. That's God. Look at like every, yeah. everything, everything in the natural world is a, a part of creation. And so are you. And what's really interesting about getting into yoga is like at the deepest level, with like kind of the conversation we've been skirting around, like what happens when you sit in meditation, what happens when you practice and you get into that state of present moment awareness, what's really going on, the real purpose is to recognize, to realize your connection with source. That's it. That's like, and because when you do that, when you're- But, but, but source, yeah. what is source? Is source a, a God figure or like, I mean, so I, 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 I would- 
consider myself a Christian. I'm very uh, spiritual, but uh, I would also, I mean, religious might be the better terminology. I, I don't know. I think religion is kind of dumb. I hate religion, but like, I believe in the Bible, the God of the Bible. Um, I'm on a constant quest to prove or disprove the Bible. I hope we'll figure out which one it comes when I get there. But, um, but like, I do believe that there is a God. I believe that there is, uh, you know, an absolute moral law. I believe that an absolute truth. Um, but I also believe unlike maybe a lot of Christians would say or, or understand is like, okay, God, it says in the Bible, God is love. And we know that love is at the center of the universe. I also believe that in order for God to be everywhere at one time, like it says it is in the Bible, that God is energy, right? So that like God is this energy source. We look to him, we cast our cares upon him. He's going to fill us with the energy that we need. And so that my definition or view of God is not like some random dude sitting up there being like, okay, you know, do this thing or do this thing. You can come to me. But like that God encompasses us is everywhere because God is energy. Now, my question is, is so in my head, when you say source, I look to source and I go, source is God. God is all knowing. God is all powerful. God has absolute laws and truths that we should live by. Is that the type of source that you're talking about? Or what type of source are you referring to? Yeah, I see. I look at it like, and I think there's a bunch of different names, whether you call it God, you call it source, you call it universe, you call it love. Like it's worth, the way I look at it is there is a force in this world that organized and gave birth to the world that we know that you didn't create it. I didn't create it. It didn't like, it didn't like create it. It didn't just like spontaneously happen. It was a very intentionally like designed and like, birth given experience for us to have it. So that force is what I call source. I interchangeably say source or universe, but right. it, is, it is that force that is larger than ourselves, that is connecting all of us together, that is love, that gives rise to birth, to life and to rebirth and to death and like all of the natural forces that were like you know, like within the, the, the universe, like, you know, the the illusion of time, but like the aging process, reincarnation, all these things that like we, that like even on the cosmetic, uh, on the cosmic level, like the, the rotation of the, of the, uh, like the universe and the solar systems, which mirrors the, the rotation of on the, like the smallest level of the atoms within our, within our being. Like there's this, there's this intelligence that I call source, that I call creator. And so and, it's and, very- And you do, and you do believe though that it is, intelligent yeah yeah i mean look at look at the world man look at you look right at right and and i i agree with you i'm just i'm wanting to make sure that we're on the same page as far as that's concerned yeah, we do totally. believe in an intelligent energy source and an, an intelligent designer or creator of whatever this is you mentioned uh reincarnation do you believe that we are reincarnated into a physical body or do you think that we are reincarnated into potentially something else uh, I've heard and some of the books that I've read with Yogananda that in the, the, the evolution of the, of the human spirit, that there's no devolution. Like once you become a human, you're, you're evolving into higher forms of that. Not to say that like we're better than like uh, a lion, but we have an ability cognitively with brain functioning to reason abstractly and understand the world in a way that gives us more insight and more literally self-reflection. We able, we're able to literally think about ourselves and the direction of our lives and guide it in a direction that other animals don't have the ability to do. So you, you don't believe in, what was it? Is it Buddhism? That's like, if you're a crappy person, you get reincarnated into like a fly. 
or like, you know, bad thing. You're not into that. No. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, I got to ask, right? I think, I think, you know, I think, you know, at some point we started that way. I think we, we were probably, uh, we were probably, you know, uh, uh, bugs and then, you know, higher life forms. And eventually mm-hmm. we evolved into humans and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then we'll, we'll evolve into, uh, more enlightened beings at some point. I'd love to continue the conversation about this. We'll have to do another a follow-up episode because I'd love to know your thoughts on like, you know, are there parallel realities and like infinite, you know, like infinite universes, you know, the, the, the theory of, you know, the fact that, you know, all these different things, we don't have time to go into that now. Um, I actually want to kind of go back into a more practical application of yoga for entrepreneurs to kind of wrap this up. But I do have one quite more question on this topic, which is, do you think aliens are a real thing? Like, do you think there's life in, on other planets? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. do, you, do you think that they have made contact with earth and that like they're here? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, about this, like, the, like, like if there's a planet, like if you look at, if you look at the, the earth and it's in its, uh, in its evolution and our evolution, like we are just, a, we're just, we're, we're, we're like nothing on the blip of how old the earth is. So if you take a planet that's even similar to ours, that has life forms, but they're a million years ahead, which is nothing, Josh. It's a, a you know, right. it's a blink, right? Right, because time is relative, right? Right. So that life form could be a million years ahead of us. And oh, hell yeah, they could have technology that's, you know, take our technology, uh, fast forward it a million years. Or, or even reverse. I mean, you look at some of like the early planets that we've discovered or, you know, whatever we want to call them out there flying through space that have the beginnings of life form on them. You know, they could be, you know, if you believe in that time frame, a million years behind us, right? Um, that's the theory that you know would would say that. Um, with, with aliens and like here and like like interacting with each other, one of the things that I, <clears throat> I struggle. I'm going to use the word struggle with. So, like I said, I'm on kind of a mission right now to prove or disprove the Bible, right? Right now, I believe it to be true. I haven't found any like inconsistencies with it that I can't actually justify if I actually look into it, but I got a long way to go still. One of the things though is <clears throat> I did not believe in aliens growing up. We were pretty much told that that was kind of not, not a thing, right? And then uh, even re- like up until last like year or two, like I really didn't think that they were a thing. And then I really started looking into it and like you start reading and looking and like you're like, all right, there's, there's definitely something going on, right? Like there's... Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know what they look like. I don't know what it is, but it, there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of evidence to, to say, okay, there, are, there is aliens. We've had contact with them uh, at some point. And I would, I would venture to say that I do believe that. Now I go, well, now what does the Bible say about that, right? Because this be the thing where, because like, you know, growing up, we're, you're taught in the Christian church that humankind is inherently special, that God loved us so much that he sent his son comes down, he dies on the cross for us because he loves us so much. And that in all of the universe, earth is the special one, right? And then you look at earth and you go in the grand scheme of reality and how ginormous the universe is, you're like, right. <laughs> like, okay. And like, could that be true? I suppose that could be God's, that we could be God's favorite planet, right? I, I suppose it, it, that's technically a possibility, right? Uh, we just got lucky, but that's where I start to struggle with religion, because I haven't studied it enough yet. I, I don't even know if struggle is the right word, but where I question it and go, okay, I've got to look at that more because if there is life on other planets and if there is other you know, things out there, we're not the only one in this universe, we're not only alone, then whoa, right? Like th- that changes the dynamic of so many things that we look at as conscious reality and what's possible and you know, being able to time travel. And because if, if 
that's a real thing and time travel is possible, then we've literally turned our planet into just like a city, right? Because now that we just travel from planet to planet, city to city, like, you know, like we would in a car. So anyway, quite fascinating concepts there. Yeah, yeah no doubt. No doubt. My, only, my thing with the Bible, just while we're on it, is yeah. it's been translated. It's been so many times yeah. by man yeah. for, for, and translated in a way that serves man's purposes at that period of time. I agree. And in the moment, and even if, like, not, not to say, because I kind of like painted that picture, like they were doing like some subversive thing within it, which I, I personally think happened. But even if not, yeah. the moment you translate from one language to the next language, something's lost in the translation. A hundred percent. And that's my biggest, that's my biggest thing there. And that's where I argue strongly with Christians is I go, I believe that when the Bible, me personally, I believe that the Bible, when it was written, was written by man via God. And I believe that when it was written at the time that it was written, it was without flaw. I, I, I do believe that as of now in my life. However, let's assume that was 3,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago that that was being written. Have you ever played the game when you line up 20 people in a row or 50 people in a row and <laughs> one person at one side says it to the one person and by the time it gets to the other, you see how different it is? Yeah. You look at it and you go, dang, right? Like that's 50 people. Try 5,000 years, right? And, 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 and mass production and all the different translation and versions. I mean, you even look at the difference of like a, a new international version or a American, you know, I don't know what the newest versions are compared to a King James version and you look right. at it. And so, you know, you have all these people with 20 different Bibles. And I think, I think there is absolute truth in there. And I think that the laws of it like are really good. But for me, when I look at something and you go, I mean, there's verses in the Bible that are like women in the New Testament, mind you, that say women should be silent in the church. And I'm like, do we all believe that women can't say anything when we go to church? Like for real? And so, you know, I, I, for, for all you Christians out there, I, I'm not saying that I don't, I'm not a Christian. Like I am a very strong believer in the Bible and in God. But to your point, Chris, uh, I, I agree with you that I think there has to have been something lost in translation over the last 5,000 years or however long that is. But that's just here conversation for another time. Okay, last, I want to wrap up here. Before, but before we get to rapid fire questions, I want to like bring this back to the beginning. I don't think we really ever touched on for those people that made it this far. You guys are like legit though. <laughs> you guys are legit yoga entrepreneur people. You run a, a successful business. You do this. Give us a little bit of context around some of the results that you have had and like what specifically you do with entrepreneurs. Feel free to drop revenue numbers or, you know, class numbers or whatever it is, but give some context so that people aren't like thinking that you're just some random yoga people that I brought on that think time travel is a real thing and that marijuana is good. Like, you know, give us some like around that. So we, uh, so we've, uh, we started in 2005. We built uh, the brick and mortar businesses to four studios. Uh, we were making where at where at uh, in uh, Virginia, Virginia. So we're, yeah, we're in uh, we're, we have uh, studios in Southeast Virginia and then studios in uh, in the uh, middle of Virginia, you know, the capital. Oh. Yeah, uh, and at that time, we also had a spinoff business that uh, Chris and I were running that uh, was doing a quarter of a million. Um, the studios, brick and mortar studios themselves, were doing over three million year on um, this revenues obviously um, right. and uh and so we were man we were rock and rolling so, so a lot of what we 
what we brought into it was systems, uh, and Chris and I specifically systems on the uh, in what was being taught. Uh, and then as we got bigger, we started putting systems into the to the front end of the business and doing things like that. That were just they were game changers, Josh. And uh, and so um, uh, a couple years ago, we restructured our business. Uh, we have an older brother that took uh, took the studios that are up north, and Chris and I uh, took uh, two of the other studios and kept the uh, kept our side business. But uh, but that's it. And it's you know it's one of the what we believe to be true, Josh, is that there are people in this world that can change it and they're called entrepreneurs. And if somebody is a yoga entrepreneur, then they have the ability not only to change the world, but to change the world in ways that can affect people's lives directly. And, uh, and it's our mission to help those people uh, just crush it in their business so that they can continue to spread that message. Yeah. And it's, I love that. No, I love that. Yeah. It's, and I think part of the keys to our success over those 15 years is the consistency and the structure of which we're teaching the classes. Mm. Like when people come in, like what we're all looking for is a result. Like they're coming in for something. And what happens in the yoga world is that these like entrepreneurs, they open up studios and then teachers come into it and they can teach whatever they want. And they offer like 30 different styles of yoga because they want to be like, I want to like everyone to like try a little bit of everything in my studio. And then people come in and like, how do I get any traction? How do I get any results? Mm. And, what we said was, no, we're, we're being consistent. We're going to teach uh, a system, a style of yoga that doesn't change. And we're going to teach one that changed a little bit, but we do it with the methodology. And so what we're really trying to bring into the yoga world is like, man, like some of the core principles of marketing, like people are looking for results, right? You don't need to give them everything. Don't try to be everything to everyone. Niche down and get focused on what you do really well and then be able to message that really well so that when people come in, they're actually going to feel the benefit of what you're, what you're providing and you can serve them at a higher level. That's amazing. Well done. Well done. Talk to me about practical advice and tips that an entrepreneur can take now over the next day, week, month in their life um, that will help them in their entrepreneurial journey through yoga experiences. Like what are, like what's the basic level? I can do it in my house. I don't have to go to a studio somewhere. Uh, Like what's that thing that I can do? Get up in the morning, do five minutes, start with five minutes. It's five minutes of movement and literally drops from the beginning. I don't care if it's yoga or not, right? Move the body for five minutes. Yoga is ideal because you're, you're getting into major muscle groups and you're opening those up and you're getting the joints ready. You're doing those specific things, but five minutes of movement, five minutes of meditation, sit on a chair, spine straight, close your eyes and, and, and count your breath. Right? Count it. And then five minutes of uh, what Chris and I call manifestation, which is journaling. And in that journaling uh, reflection, what, do you, what happened yesterday? What are the insights of yesterday that you can pull out? What are the wins? What are the losses? What are the wins? What are the losses? Declaration, present. What, how do I want to show up today? Three words that declare how you want to be today. Like personally, three words that declare how you want to be with other people. And three words that declare how you want to show up as an entrepreneur, as a, as a business owner, in professionally. And then the last piece of that, the last piece of that, Josh, is intention. Where are you going? So it's past, present, future. Hmm. Intentions, too personal, too professional. What are your goals? And are you able to stalk them today? So if, and what Chris and I do, we do, we call it the, the, the awaken life formula. We do it every single morning because it keeps our asses on track and keeps us stalking our dreams. How, how strict are you? Like, do you do it every morning? Every morning? Uh, yes, I do it every morning. Uh, there are times where, uh, so Chris shoot for 20 minutes, 
20 minute movement, 20 minute meditation, 20 minutes of manifestation. Uh, if I had a, uh, so uh, I have a, I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And if I had a crazy, <laughs> if I'll speak for Chris, if we had a crazy ass night the night before, or one of our little ones got up in the middle or sick or something else, it may be three minutes, three minutes and three minutes the next morning. <laughs> but you're, but you're doing it. You're, yeah, it's well. like, it's a, it's religious to you. I mean, like, that's what you do. You live by it. It's a ritual. It's a ritual. I love it. And that's habit right there. I mean, like it's, it, timing isn't always, you know, doesn't always fall into habit, but the fact that you do it every single day goes to show you how powerful that that really is. So that's awesome. Cool. Well, guys, this has been amazing. We're going to have to do this again for cool. sure. Um, but uh, the first dual interview with both of you guys on here, I want to go into rapid fire questions. Uh, we, we end the, every interview with I don't know, four or five rapid fire questions. And then I have one final question that I always ask every person uh, on the podcast. But before I do that, I want to give you kind of the ability to kind of promote yourself a little bit. If someone wants to be, they, they listen to this interview and they're like, oh my gosh, I need more of the Axe Brothers. Where can they go to do that? Because guys, let me tell you something. I need more of the Axe Brothers. You guys are awesome. I, I absolutely love it. I wish that you had a studio near where I lived. I'm moving to uh, Florida soon. So if you ever want to open one in Florida, I'm totally down. I'll do the marketing for it all, the social media. You just let me know. Uh, but uh, where can people find out more about you if they want to consume more of your content and, and get involved? Yeah, they can. Uh, if you want to listen to our podcast, it's Yoga Entrepreneur Secrets. And you can basically follow that on Apple. We're on uh, Stitcher. We're on Google. Um, uh, if you're looking for online, it's yaksyogaconcepts.com. And uh, at yaksyogaconcepts, uh, you can follow us on Instagram and uh, Facebook. Yaks Yoga Concepts. And also, guys, you guys know how much subscribers, downloads, and ratings reviews mean to a podcast because I always ask you for them. Go over there. Even if, even if you're that person that's like, I'm probably not going to listen to it. I don't care. Go over and just hit the subscribe button. Leave a rating and review. You listen to this interview. They're awesome. We will link their podcast and their website down in the description of this podcast. Go show them some love. You guys recently just launched it. Right? Yeah. 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 Congra congratulations. Yeah. Three weeks yeah. old. That's amazing. Well, I'm subscribed and I've rated the podcast. So guys, go over there to do that. We'll, um, we will link that down below. Like I said, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Let's, let's go to rapid fire questions if you guys are okay with that. Let's yeah, do let's do it. All right. So I'm going to ask it. Then you both have to answer separately. All right. <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, favorite airline to fly? Southwest. Delta. Delta. All right. I'm Delta. I totally get I, Delta is my, the thing I don't like about Southwest, uh, Chris, they don't have a first class, but like, <laughs> come on now. I can't upgrade. What upgrade? Oh, you get to board first. I mean, yeah, that's awesome. But I also want some leg room. I'm six feet tall with 72 feet leg foot legs. Like, come on. All right. Um, are you guys into sports cars at all? Like fancy cars, anything like that? Or are you like, what, what's your, what's your guilty pleasure that you would spend money on in large chunks of money? Surfboards, surfboards, surfing, uh, surf trips. Surfboards, surfboards, surf trips. Okay. What is the coolest surfing place where you've ever surfed or like experience that you had surfing? Ooh, I went to El Salvador with my wife and it was phenomenal. We stayed at like, we were on this cliff 100 feet up and there was a right point break that came off and it was, <sighs> it was like BC before children to she and I. Man, it was phenomenal. That's amazing. Uh, I would say mainland, uh, mainland Mexico. Uh, a place called Pascuales is where I met my wife. It was 25 feet. I was, uh, I was, 
He was on the beach. I was on the beach. I was too scared to pedal out. And she was, I uh, saw her in the water dropping in on a 20 foot wave, Josh. I was like, oh my God. You're like, that's the one. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. What is the single greatest lesson like that you've learned from yoga? Uh, to control the things that are in my control and to let go of the things that are not in my control. Mm, that's, that's big. And that on a daily basis is the practice. Mm. to appreciate and love myself. Mm. All right. I like both of those. I like it all. We have one final question that we ask everybody on the podcast. Uh, I don't prep you ahead of time. I don't prep anybody ahead of time. It's a deep question. So I like to hear your raw kind of unfiltered thoughts about this. I guess, John, you're going to get a little bit more time since you're going to go second. But uh, Chris, we'll start with you. Um, fast forward to the end of your life. I know you're probably going to live to be like 300 or something like that because you, you know, do yoga. But like fast forward to the end of your life, you're on your deathbed and everyone, all of your money, your success, everything that you've done is gone. Nobody knows who you are, it's gone. However, you're laying there on that bed and every single person that you've touched and influenced either directly or indirectly, you get to leave with a message that will carry on with them throughout time, right? throughout eternity. What is that message? Mm, that's a good question. Um, you are enough. You, mm. like, who all of the mistakes, all of the imperfections, all of the, the, the shit of your life is not the defining factor of who you really are. And who you really are is as a, as a, uh, a, a son and a daughter of the creator is a perfect being worthy of love and belonging. Hmm. I love that. That's powerful. Over to you, John. All right. Uh, my message would be uh, everything you're looking for is inside you. Hmm. Get still every day to take that journey and walk inside. Hmm. I love so. that. I love it. <laughs> Guys, I super appreciate your time. I know your time is valuable. So thank you so much for coming on. This was amazing. Like I said, we'll have to do it again. Uh, guys, this has been the Yaks Brother interview. Why? A-X, right? That's how you spell it. Y-A-X, yaksyogaconcepts.com, uh, uh, Yoga Entrepreneur Secrets, yep. right? Yoga Entrepreneur Secrets podcast. Check it out. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Guys, any last words for the audience before we uh, tune out here? Thanks nah. for the time. Thanks for the time. It was awesome, Josh. Appreciate it, bro. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, amazing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on, guys. As always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because when you think different, you might just be able to time travel. You might just be able to live for 300 years like these guys are going to do. Um, but seriously, think different. It's not just a way of thinking. It's also a way of life. I love you all, and I will see you on the next episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace. Yo, what's up, guys? You've been listening to the Think Different Theory with myself, Josh Forty, which I like to call a new paradigm of thinking. And real quick, I got a question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message of positivity and making the world a better place is if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this is out on, that you like my stuff, and that I'm doing something right. So if you could take like three seconds out of your day and subscribe, leave a rating and a review, I would be forever grateful for you. Also, I want to hear from you. I want to know your feedback, your ideas and your questions for future episodes. So be sure to hit me up on Instagram in the DM at Josh 40 or via email contact at thinkdifferenttheory.com.